The following program is intended for mature audiences. Warmest aloha, sir. Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly to you, too. He's so Holly, he doesn't even know he's Holly. I'm tempted to say menehune. Like Hawaiian leprechauns. <laughs> or chipmunks or something. What's wrong with that turtle? He has lung problems because he smoked too much turtle weed, which is bad for you, right, Ola? Hawaii has a big future. I, I, I want to become a part of it. I know every angel of these islands. I'm like a good tourist guy. What we're about to say. See, we're on a mission. Trying to find a way. If you and me make a guarantee. gentlemen and welcome to Duke Kahanamoku's on the beach at Waikiki. At this time it is with great pride and great pleasure that the Duke presents in person on Liberty Records the exotic sounds of Martin Denny. Larry Camp from uh, Southern Utah, formerly Maui, and before that Oahu. But uh, you know, I'm missing uh, I'm missing Hawaii. All the good things from the podcast I listened to today. I'm going through those Patreon uh, podcasts, and uh, the only bad thing is I'm going to be running out of them because I listen to them when I walk through uh, Kayenta, which is an area right here near our home. I do about three to five miles a day, so I can get through an entire podcast. Unless it was your music podcast, which was like three and a half hours, but I, I spread that out over a couple of days. But um, 
enjoyed both the music podcasts and today uh, followed up the uh, <laughs> listen to the one with your folks and man that was a hoot your mom just cracked me up I, I was counting her mahalo she ended up with five if I got my count right but uh, anyway just want to let you know how much I'm enjoying the podcast I'll kind of have to wean myself a little bit though or I'm going to run out but I, I am enjoying them and uh, your sense of humor and Mike's when he's there uh, he he cracks me up with all of his laughing and uh, but you know that's a good thing alright brother hey hope everything's going well and uh, I'll just continue to listen aloha alright good to hear from you Larry uh, glad you're enjoying the podcast and uh, especially the music uh, podcast that we've done in the past um, we got a real good one for you and everyone else this week, and including next week, we're going to be taking it back to the 50s and all the way up to today. And we're going to cover the entire time frame of when Tiki Exotica and lounge music first started, which was about 1950 to 1965. And then it had a resurgence in 1990 with re-releases with Martin Denny um, and Arthur Lineman, who actually worked together in the old days. What we just listened to do was Martin Denny. So thank you for listening, Larry. And uh, how's it? <laughs> and welcome to Living the Aloha Life, podcasting Pono on the 808. I'm Wade the Poor Man Fishman. And as I said, this is going to be an amazing four-hour, two-part podcast on Tiki Exotica. I'd like to send out this uh, podcast. Um, it goes out to patrons Larry, obviously, uh, Stephen, because he's a big Tiki guy, uh, Mark, aloha, baby, uh, Vince, John, Nicole, Michelle, uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, me and him just went to. La Mariana Tiki Bar, just I think it was like a week ago, which is really cool with Adrian, so we had a good time there. He came out and visited. And then, uh, obviously, Steve, we got to get together soon, my brother. Uh, I mean, you know, you're in Kaneohe. It's like 20 minutes away. Why isn't this happening? <laughs> so we got to make it happen. And then for Clinton, you're going to have your hands full with this podcast, my brother, so... Get ready, get prepared. We're going to be putting together, I would say, 60-plus songs for these next two podcasts. So it's going to be pretty intense, pretty awesome. It's going to take you back to the old days. So this podcast is brought to you by the patron supporters of the show. Uh, these next two podcasts will be free as well as commercial-free, thanks to our dedicated 50 patrons and counting uh, on Patreon and PayPal. We can't thank you guys enough for spreading that aloha around the world. As I said, we'll be covering 60 songs, two parts of Tiki Exotica. However, I won't be going into the names of the songs we'll be doing. I'll be covering the artists, but as it goes for the actual names of the songs, I'm not going to be covering them. Now, why am I not going to be doing this? As you all know, this is a free podcast, and we're going to be playing Tiki Exotica music. These are artists, okay, and they've worked hard to create this music, and I'm letting you guys have a listen to all that. But I do expect you guys to go out there to purchase on iTunes, to purchase the CDs any way you can, to listen to these guys and contribute. 
And that also goes for this podcast as well, because we do have a lot of patrons that are paying to keep this show going. And there's a lot of patrons, and we know because we have this many listening to the podcast uh, that are patrons, like 50. And then we have about a 1,000 people downloading each podcast that we do that is free. We know there's a lot of listeners. Geez, can we get 10 of you guys to come over and become patrons? That would be so appreciated. This is how we continue to keep this podcast going. But it is because the patrons right now, the 50 of you guys, that continue to allow us to do these free podcasts for everyone else on iTunes. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into the whole entire Tiki Exotica music For me personally, Tiki Exotica goes all the way back to the 70s for me when I first uh, went and stayed at the Polynesian Village down at Disney World. Uh, A lot of the music that would be coming out of the speakers and between the trees and the lights at night would be Martin Denny, Lex Baxter, would be Arthur Lineman, and many of the artists like that. And that was my first real feel for this kind of far-off music that, honestly, when I start to go over all this with you guys today, it didn't exist, actually. It was a fantasy. It was a dream. Martin Denny and Lex Baxter and Arthur Lineman, they created a whole entire exotica tiki feel and music that actually never really existed in Polynesia, but it was what they assumed it may have sounded like in a fantasy type of way. So for me, when I first listened to it, I really thought when I was listening to it down at the Polynesian Village at Disney, uh, which I discussed in my uh, last podcast, Hawaii 79, that I really felt that that was what I was going to get when I went to Hawaii. And it ended up not being that. That music did not exist when I ended up going to Hawaii in the late 70s. So that's very interesting on how they created this whole entire group of music. So let's go over Exotica, okay? Exotica pretty much was named after the 1957 Martin Denny album called Exotica. Uh, It was popular between 1950 and 1965 with Americans who came of age during uh, and after World War II. Martin Denny described the musical style as a combination of the South Pacific and the Orient. It was what a lot of Americans imagined the islands to be like, see, but it was pure fantasy. While the South Seas formed the core region of where their style of exotic tropical music would come from, it was mainly based on a made-up and mythical Shangri-La impression or a dream of what tiki or exotic music may have sounded like far, far away. Now, the thing is with exotic is after many years of all this rising excitement leading up to Hawaii becoming a state in 1959, the Hawaiiana tiki exotica style music, it began to fade in the United States once more Americans started to go to Hawaii and realize that the music they had imagined to be real was simply a made-up fantasy by a group of artists and composers who wanted us to live that dream of what it might have been like to live an exotica lifestyle. And that was my issue too because it very much felt like It was some far-off imaginary world when I first listened to this type of music and that my parents would also play for me. And then when I actually got to Hawaii, I was like, 
this isn't actually the way it is here. So that was kind of a shocker for me. So I think after the 50s and the 60s and after 1965, the music kind of died out and didn't really resurface until the 90s where all these artists redid their albums, remastered their albums, and then new bands started to really listen to that music and create kind of like tiki exotica bands of the new age which we're going to go over in the second half of this podcast next week so with the cd reissues and remixes and remasters by martin denny uh it kind of did create that revival in 1990 for tiki exotica and it stayed planted in hawaiiana culture ever since with the resurgence of tiki bars around the united states and hawaii so Today, there is plenty of tiki bars around. There is plenty of tiki drinks to go around. Uh, Next week, we're going to be covering all those different tiki bars in Hawaii. We're going to be covering all the drinks you can make at tiki bars. And kind of like what you would put together if you had a luau in your backyard. So this is going to be taking us back to the 1950s. We're going to be covering a song from Martin Denny, Arthur Lineman and Les Baxter. And then we'll be right back and we're going to be getting into Dawn Beach and how this all began. All right.
All right, and we are back. Those are some sick, awesome songs. Uh, the thing is, is those three are literally the godfathers, the grandfathers, the sons of all Tiki Exotica. And we'll get into each artist coming up. But first, we're going to discuss how this even all began with Don Beach. Don Beach was born in 1907 and passed away in 1989. Don Beach was an American adventurer, businessman, and World War II veteran who was the founding father of the tiki culture. He is known for opening the first tiki bar called Don the Beachcomber during the 1930s in Hollywood, California. Don Beach moved to Hawaii in 1945 and built the International Marketplace also creating the Polynesian Village or Waikiki Village and established the most successful Don the Beachcomber as the marketplace centerpiece. Pretty much for all together, he was pretty much creating all the tiki cocktails, all the live music, he was creating the tikis, he was creating that specific atmosphere that created what a tiki bar was. Uh, Don Beach placed his offices in the limbs of the enormous banyan tree that was at the center of the international marketplace that still stands today. The village was dotted with many thatched huts and wood carvings and tikis and everything that you can imagine from hula girls to tiki torches to everything. And that was essentially what Waikiki was back in the 50s. I kind of took a breath there because it reminds me of what has happened to International Marketplace today. Uh, what a change for the worst, right? I mean, you've all been down there. If you have visited, it doesn't look... It, it's not even the old International Marketplace with all the shops anymore. It's all high-end. It's Tesla. It's Saks Fifth Avenue and all these other things now. So how times have changed. The market in the Tiki Bar flourished and Don... Beach's impact on tourism was such that many viewed his contributions as profoundly important. As its height, the international marketplace encompassed 50 shops, nightclubs, and restaurants, with Don the Beachcomber Tiki Bar and the Shell Bar being the most popular center point in all of Waikiki. In January 1954, Don Beach got wind of Martin Denny and brought Denny to Honolulu to begin playing at Don's International Marketplace at several of his tiki bars like the Shell Bar and Don the Beachcomber. Martin Denny is what put Don's tiki bars above the others on the mainland that had been trying to copy him like Trader Vic's. Trader Vic's was another guy that was trying to do tiki bars, but he did not have the music of Martin Denny. And that is what Don Beach was looking for, to put him above uh, everyone else. There was, you know, no one had the look that Don Beach created and the atmosphere that Martin Denny created to form the ultimate fantasy and lifestyle of Exotica. Now, the cool thing about Don Beach, later changed his name to Don the Beachcomber, he created the zombie drink and the Mai Tai drink. However, Trader Vicks fought him on the Mai Tai creation. And in the end, Don Beach actually lost. And the creator of the Mai Tai actually went to Trader Vicks. But the zombie, you know, that's like a version of the Mai Tai. That ended up being created by Don Beach. 
it's so interesting that <laughs> I, I didn't actually even know about that about the drinks but that's such a cool thing so now we're going to go into the transition of Martin Denny who was born in 1911 and he passed away in 2005 Denny was born in New York and raised in Los Angeles he studied classical piano and at a young age toured South America for over four years in the 1930s with the Don Dean Orchestra this tour began Denny's fascination with Latin rhythms. Denny collected a large number of ethnic instruments from all over the world, which he used to spice up his stage performances. After serving in the United States Army Air Forces in World War II, Denny returned to Los Angeles in 1945, where he studied piano and composition. So we're going to come back and continue to talk about Martin Denny, but right now we're going to take a break, and we're going to play three of his awesome songs from the 50s. All right.
we're at. We're back. Okay. Now, in January 1954, Don Beach of Don the Beachcomber gave Denny the opportunity to come to Honolulu for a two-week engagement. He ended up staying. To form his own band, we would often perform under contract at the Shell Bar and Don the Beachcomber in the Hawaiian Waikiki Village on Oahu. During the forming of Martin Denny Band, he met up with local artist Augie Colon on percussions and bird calls and then author Lineman on vibes and John Kramer as string bass while Martin Denny played piano. Arthur Lyman was a well-known established composer himself and soon left to form his own group. And we're going to be getting into everything about Arthur Lyman and that he was born here, he went to school here, he grew up here, and we'll get into that later. So let's go back, let's listen to three more songs from Martin Denny, and then we'll be right back. Thank you. 
Denny and his band would travel a lot on the mainland, but they returned every 12 weeks to not only play in Waikiki, but because the Denny band had their families living in Hawaii at the time. Denny described the music his band played as window dressing, a background of what could be. He built a collection of strange and exotic instruments with the help of several airline friends. They would bring Denny back instruments from around the world, and he would build arrangements around them. His music was a combination of ethnic styles, South Pacific, the Orient, and Latin rhythms. During an engagement at the Shell Bar, Denny discovered what would become his trademark and the birth of Exotica. The bar had a very exotic setting, a little pool of water right outside the bandstand, rocks and palm trees growing around, very quiet, very relaxed, 
As the group played at sunset, Denny became aware of the bullfrogs croaking and birds chirping behind him. The croaking blended with the music, and when the band stopped, so did the frogs. He thought it was a coincidence first, but when he tried the tune again, later, the same thing happened. This time, his bandmates began doing all sorts of tropical bird calls. As a gag, the band thought it was nothing more than a joke. But the next day, someone approached Denny and asked if he would do the arrangement with the birds and frogs. That's when Denny realized he had something. He agreed to do the animal calls. At rehearsal, he had the band do Quiet Village, which was originally done by Les Baxter in 1951. He was the godfather of Tiki Lounge music at the time. Each band member was doing bird and animal calls spaced apart. Denny did the frog part on a grooved cylinder, and the whole thing became incorporated into the arrangement of Quiet Village and all future arrangements, which became known as Tiki Exotica. Okay, we're going to go ahead and listen to Martin Denny, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more, and then we'll be going to break. We'll be listening to Webley Edwards and his 1961 album Exotica. Favorites of the Islands, Volume 4.
All right, we pounded together a huge amount of Martin Denny. For me, Martin Denny has always been the top of my list for listening to Tiki Exotica. Uh, one of the things that I can't really figure out is when you actually go to local tiki bars here in uh, Waikiki or outside of Waikiki or actually on any of the Hawaiian islands, even the most well-known, one of the most well-known tiki bars like La Mariana uh, Sailing Club Tiki Bar, they don't play Martin Denny. They don't play Martin Denny. They don't play Les Baxter. They don't play Arthur Lyman. They don't play any of the new, uh, newer groups like um, Tiki Yaki Orchestra or even the Waikiki's or anything like that there. You know, they have some bands come in and play some old music once in a while, but the music you hear in there is not giving you the atmosphere that you deserve. And uh, I've noticed that a lot of the tiki bars here in uh, Hawaii, and they're just not doing it. I don't really know why. If any of you guys have been on the mainland and visited any tiki bars on there, let me know. Let us know. Are they playing Martin Denny? Are they playing the old 50s lounge and exotica music? Because I'm not hearing it. And I believe that it's essential that we kind of try to bring this music back. Uh, it faded out pretty quick. I mean, 10, 15 years. Well, I mean, look what happened in the 80s, I guess, uh, or any other you know, time period. I guess kind of music sticks around with you for maybe 10 to 15 years and then something takes over. But I think a lot of the different musics today, we need to get back to some of that fantasy, some of that kind of dreamy-like music. And if you love Hawaii and you love Polynesia and the South Pacific and Tahiti, uh, you want to listen to that kind of exotica music that takes you back to that time that really... The time of kind of like after the war, it was, it was an innocent time. Uh, Hawaii was going through the process of becoming a state. And uh, there was a huge transition that was happening. And I think as that transition happened, the tiki kind of exotica music transitioned as well. And it, we kind of lost it and left it behind. Uh, I know back in the 50s or 60s, there was a huge tiki exotica theme park in California that was being built. And the guy still owns it today. It's, 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 it has a huge volcano at its center and all these tiki bars there and everything. And he actually, the guy actually lives in a mobile home on his property because by the time he actually got finished with the Exotica Tiki Amusement Park, the music faded and died out. Everything died out on the, in the culture that was existed for the 15 years. By the time he got done, no one came. No one came and it was literally, it never opened. And it's still sitting there in California, which is just crazy to know about. But for me, I would love to open it up a tiki bar. I'd love to play the old music. I'd love to get one of those great, you know, bartenders. You know, for example, if you have not been to Hawaii or if you have been and you want to go to a real nice like whiskey or bourbon or scotch bar or anything, you go to the Leather Apron Bar, man. It is probably one of the most amazing uh, small little nook bars that you'll be to. Uh, B2, they, they, they make amazing drinks. They are $15 minimum on average, usually anywhere from $15 to $25 a drink. But it's like a piece of art with what the art with what the um, bartenders are doing. They're literally artists. Man, if you get one of those guys to come and make tiki drinks at a tiki bar, you're playing the music, maybe you're getting some of the newer bands live that play exotica music, that would be something. Something. And we, we need it here. So um, 
Let's go ahead and take that long extended break to listen to that 1961 Exotica album, Volume 4. And then we'll be back and we'll be talking about Arthur Lyman and we'll be talking about Les Baxter. All right.
All right, I hope you guys are getting into the groove here. This music is intense. I love this music. It just takes me back. It loses me. When you're having a hard day, trying to get away from everything. This makes me think of getting on a small sailboat, going across the Pacific Ocean, and getting the hell out of this mess. You know what I mean for a lot of you guys. I'm here in Hawaii. This is a good place for me. I'm not going anywhere, so. Uh, but, yeah, even here, I still listen to this music all the time when I'm making a drink, when I'm out and about uh, in my uh, Jeep or anywhere else. Uh, I'm listening to this music. I love this music. People think I'm a little left up, a little weird, because I'm sitting here listening to the, these birds and these, these, these frogs going off in the background, and they're like, what is this guy listening to? A lot of people don't appreciate this type of music, and I know many of you have requested it, and many of you have wanted to have a nice collection of Exotica music together so you guys can now you know, enjoy it and then go out and find more about these artists and because these guys have had album after album after album and we're literally only playing a very, very small selection of the music all these artists put together. So there is like hundreds of songs out there that we're not playing that you guys should get out there, you should appreciate, you should pay for, you should download, you know, support these artists. I've always said Artists today, I mean, one day are we going to have music? I always think about this. One day are we actually going to have music anymore? Because it's so hard for artists to go ahead and spend all that time and passion into making these albums and these songs. And they're getting paid 99 cents a song. They're not making as much money as they used to. Very few artists now make all this money anymore. The only money made is is still doing concerts and things like that. But it's they everything used to be based on the LPs, the albums, you know, and all that. And it's just not that way anymore. So any money that they can get, any money you guys can give to these amazing bands or the people that now own their music uh, would be greatly appreciated. All right, we're going to go into Arthur Lyman. Arthur Lyman was born in 1932. And passed away in 2002. So a lot of these artists are passing away in the 90s and the early 2000s. So they're no longer with us. So, you know, I really do appreciate the music uh, that they put together back in the 50s all the way up to the 2000s. So Arthur Lyman was an American jazz player who got his first taste of fame playing with Martin Denny. And his own group continued to popularize this form of self Pacific music during the late 50s and mid 60s known as Exotica. He played with uh, Martin Denny for a while but then he kind of was kind of coached to you know what you should be creating and running your own band and that's probably pretty much what happened. Lyman's album became favorite stereo effect demonstration discs during the early days of the stereophonic LP album. For the elaborate and colorful percussions, deep bass, and three-dimensional recording soundtracks. Because of this, Lyman was known as the king of lounge music, surpassing even the godfather of lounge and exotica, Lex Baxter. So let's go ahead and listen to Arthur Lyman, and we'll be right back. Oh, my God. 
Thank you.
Well, it's uh, as you can hear, it is pretty clear that uh, Arthur Lyman certainly studied and learned uh, under Martin Denny, and you can see the similarities in their music, but some little small changes. So let's get back to uh, Arthur Lyman and his history. Uh, after graduating from McKinley High School in 1951, Arthur Lyman put music on hold to work as a desk clerk at the Halikulani Hotel. It was there in 1954 that he met Martin Denny, who, after hearing him play, offered the 21-year-old a spot in his band. Initially weary, Lyman was persuaded by the numbers. He was making $280 a month as a clerk at the Halikulani, and Denny promised him more than $500 a month playing music. Lyman and Denny would play nightly at the Shell Bar and Don the Beachcomber Hawaiian Waikiki Village, and that's where it all began. So let's go back, let's listen to three more songs from Arthur Lyman, and then we'll be back and we'll continue our story about Lyman. We're at.
All right. Now, Martin Denny, who had traveled widely, had collected numerous exotic instruments from all over the world and liked to use them to spice up his jazz arrangements of popular songs. The stage of the shell bar was very exotic, with a little pool of water right behind the bandstand and rocks and palm trees growing all around, just like the story that uh, Martin Denny told. One night, Lyman had way too much to drink, and when they began playing the theme from Veracruz, Lyman heard frogs and birds by the pond outside. 
and he let out a few bird calls just randomly like that. Drunk, he continued to make all these crazy sounds, and the next thing you know, the audience started to answer Lymanback with all kinds of weird cries and bird sounds themselves. It was great. These birds and frog calls became a trademark for Denny and Lyman sound from that point forward. So that is kind of like the difference between Lex Baxter, okay, and we'll get into that uh, as we talk about uh, his story, between Lex Baxter and Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman. Arthur was the one who actually created the first sounds on Martin Denny's albums. Martin Denny obviously heard the frogs and heard the different birds chirping. And then he kind of said, you know what, let's incorporate into this music. Uh, Arthur Lyman was a local uh, in Hawaii, and he grew up here, and he just started making animal sounds just out of his mouth. And they sounded amazing, like they were real animals. And ever since then, even when Lyman went off on his own, he continued to go ahead and make all these sounds on his albums, and then Martin Denny... Uh, with the orchestra that he had, he continued to do animal sounds on his. Now, before we go to break and listen to three more songs from Lyman, um, before we go into talking about uh, Les Baxter in the next part of the podcast, Les Baxter never did these animal sounds. He kind of did a lot of the Godfather sounds that Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman used, but they put the bird sounds and the frog sounds and the monkeys and everything else into Les Baxter's music. Les Baxter started all this, this kind of lounge kind of tiki music back in 1950, and then in 1951 he started putting out albums for that, but he never really got into the whole entire animal sounds and all that until the late 50s. So we'll get back after we listen to these next uh, few songs from Arthur Lyman, and then we'll start to talk about Les Baxter and go from there. All right. Thank you. 
All right, we're back. We're going to be getting right into Les Baxter. Les Baxter was a great composer and the grandfather of Tiki Lounge. Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman took tips from Les Baxter, eventually surpassing Baxter, before they created their own offshoot of 50s lounge called Tiki Exotica, or just Exotica, where animal sounds had been incorporated into the music arrangements. The animal and jungle sounds had been something Martin Denny created, and Les Baxter only started to use after appreciating Denny's take on Les Baxter's original song, Quiet Village. For me personally, I still think Quiet Village is the absolute ultimate exotica song, Quiet Village. And it is one of the songs we're playing on this podcast, but you got to figure out which one it is. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and listen to three songs from Les Baxter, and then we'll come back and talk all about his history. We're at.
Okay, we're back. Let's continue uh, Lex Baxter. Les Baxter, between 1950 and 1955, was the leading figure in the history of lounge and tiki music. Wherever this music went, Lex Baxter was there, often leading the way. His work for Capitol Records in the early 1950s introduced most of the public to the lounge tiki music movement. Les Baxter's 1950 album, Music Out of the Moon, is the album that founded the space lounge sound and vibes. But in 1951, Lex Baxter did the same for the Jungle Lounge, School of Exotica, with his trademark Rituals of the Savage album LP, for which he wrote the same song of Exotica, Quiet Village. This is the same song Martin Denny used for his debut album, Exotica, where he added all the animal songs. It is in 1957 that this form of music officially was called Exotica from the album called The Same. So in 1957, now although this lounge and tiki kind of Exotica music started in 1951, you could really say it really exploded and took off after Martin Denny's album Exotica in 1957. So that's kind of where the first animal sounds were really being used on an album. Although if you went ahead and went to the Shell Bar or Don the Beachcomber in Waikiki in the mid-1950s, 55, 56, up to 57, they were already doing these animal sounds and all that. It just hadn't gone on an album yet. So that's kind of where it all took off in 1957 and where the word exotica and that kind of genre, you know, that kind of like type of music came to be, even though it did start in 1951. So let's go ahead and let's continue to listen to some more uh, Les Baxter music, and we'll be right back.
Now, Baxter started performing in his teens as a concert pianist. He studied music formally at the Detroit Conservatory of Music and Pepperdine College. He worked as a tenure sax player and then as a singer, eventually getting hired as a member of the Meltones, a harmony group formed in 1947. Baxter worked on Bob Hope's radio show. He began arranging and ending up as music director for Bob Hope and later with doing the music for Abbott and Castell movies. <laughs> oh my god. Licks Baxter's primary work at Capitol Records where writing arrangements and conducting the orchestra on recording sessions was his main focus. He also wrote and created songs for greats like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Damn, I did not know these things. <laughs> so it's good to uh, catch up and uh, know that this guy, as it looks, was doing things way beyond um, what Martin Denny was doing and Arthur Lyman was doing. He was doing arrangements. He was seems to be doing music and uh, writing for other artists, working for Bob Hope, Abbott and Costello. This guy was pretty busy, pretty famous. And uh, I don't think people appreciate Les Baxter as much as they should for creating and being the godfather of this type of music. So we're going to go ahead and listen to three more songs, and then we'll come back and finish off the history of Les Baxter and uh, go from there. All right.
Okay, uh, I'm going to finish off uh, Les Baxter now. Like a number of uh, Capitol's house arrangements, Baxter was able to record his own arrangements and often compositions. Some arrangers didn't put much energy into such recordings, but Baxter did in everything he did. It was his passion. Baxter clearly found them as vital creative outlets, and he would experiment often with a variety of themes, new musical devices, and sounds. His album Ritual of the Savage had become a classic in its own right. When it comes to a musical travelogue accompanied by recordings of jungle noises. This was the album that clearly inspired Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman to expand the tiki and exotic lifestyle and culture of the time. Although Baxter could be and was considered the godfather of lounge exotica music and its lifestyle, Baxter was way beyond that. He was very well known in Hollywood for his writing and composing for movies and music artists. Being the godfather of lounge exotica was a very small part of his life and music career. Alright. So that's kind of sets up everything that we kind of gone over here. Uh, all the exotica music. The three major artists who actually created exotica. And kind of some of the history behind it and the history between these three famous artists. In uh, part two, we're going to be covering uh, more of the newer artists. We're going to be covering uh, Don Tiki. Uh, Kava Khan, okay, which are the uh, newer artists um, that continue the Tiki Exotica music. They've kind of put a new twist on the 50s music from back then. We're also going to be covering kind of like Hawaiiana Lounge kind of, uh, with like Tiki Yaki Orchestra and the Waikikis and a few other groups that have been out there in the 50s and are out there right now. We'll also be discussing the tiki drinks and tiki bars in uh, part two of Tiki Exotica. Once again, I'd like to thank all the awesome patrons that continue to support the podcast so everyone can continue to listen to funky free podcasts like these. Without our patrons, this podcast wouldn't be possible. So if you're not a patron and you enjoy the podcast, please consider becoming a supporter of the show so we can continue spreading aloha around the world. Uh, we're going to end this Tiki Exotica Part 1 with a group from next week's podcast, Tiki Yaki Orchestra. Alright everybody, we'll catch you next week. Shoot!
When you speak of Allah, it's all the above. But all the good, yeah? So that opens a right way range. Aloha. Whether it's Pono, Mikai, still the same. I don't care how you look at it, it's still Aloha. Be Pono, be righteous. I love you, and I wanna take it higher. 